What's up, Florin family? Welcome to the huddle. We're here every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Central, to discuss maintaining Ford progress in your flooring career. With me, as always, Mr. Daniel and Jose Gonzalez of Preferred Flooring out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Today, we got a um, less serious topic, but very serious in practice. Uh, uh, Depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure all of us uh, installers have some of these, but it's flooring failures and horror stories. So, you know, let's honor the old Halloween and and, uh, get scared by remembering some, you know, I've got a few catastrophes to share. So uh, if you've been in this business for any length of time, you probably have some too. So if you're watching us live on Facebook or uh, one of the channels, uh, chime in. Tell us some of your stories. Uh, If you watch us on YouTube later, you know, share them in the comments. Uh, Consider giving us a like and subscribe. It's always appreciated and it helps us to continue doing what we do. we we do this for for the industry and uh you guys are our fuel when you comment and let us know what you're thinking and give us some good feedback and heck if you don't like it give us a thumbs down it all matters <laughs> baby so <laughs> we, we, we need that feedback too right you gotta get amen all right well i was uh considering uh you know having a guest today like another flooring contractor to share their horror stories but uh uh, I don't know that they were so um, willing or excited as I am <laughs> to share some of them. So uh, let's get right to it, guys. Mm-hmm. What? What? First off, when did you first started? What year did you guys first start installing flooring? Ninety-eight. Uh, Ninety-eight for me. Well, I started okay. right after you did mm-hmm. in that summer. So I started in 95. We're about the same era here. So, yep. and how long before you had your first holy beep moment? 98? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was 90 because I started in January of 98. And I believe it was like. Right, you right, had plenty of time left in the year to. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And it was, it was a long, long time, but. You well, want I thought, starting with that one? I'll get started I, with it. I thought we'd come out the gate with your with our first. All right. Uh, so so we were we were doing um it was like a multi-purpose room uh at a at a church, I believe, right? And it, it was all uh what I was told was sheet vinyl, right? All right. So we started installing it, and I'm just you know, I was just a helper at that point, and we got everything done, we got everything welded, it looked pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, we knocked it out in about four or five days. Uh, then a couple of days later, I got a phone call saying that it was failing and couldn't figure out why. Um, so they went there and took a look at it and I went there with them and I remember them cutting it open at a seam and just being able to lift it right up off the floor. And it was waves everywhere. I was like, you know, what could be happening? And, you know, and the argument was we did it exactly like we do it every other time. I'm just doing what I was asked, what I was told. Come to find out it was linoleum not sheet vinyl so we we did it exactly like we do sheet vinyl every time and i tell you what everything about it was wrong the notches the the uh open time flash time um yeah they didn't wet set it oh no your your linoleum well go ahead and tell them the difference just for uh, the tile guys or the carpet guys out there tell them the difference between the two because there's a pretty significant difference here and and uh right so linoleum is going to have a jute backing on it and it's kind of that jute needs something to grab right so you got to wet set it with a vinyl you're letting the adhesive depending on what type of vinyl right but you know if you're talking about homogenous vinyl it's vinyl all the way through so if you wet set it that adhesive is never going to set up depending on what's underneath it so it just depends on what you're working with, but you need larger trial size on yeah, linoleum. You, you go in wet, uh, go in wet, need... roll it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can but... imagine you use the a three thirty second or something notch trial on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we used the um, everything about it was wrong. And so, what'd just, you do? We ended up having to cut it apart at every seam, 
and we were actually able to roll it back out of the adhesive in place, <laughs> scrape all the adhesive off, start from scratch, roll it back into the adhesive the right way. And I, I do remember there being a couple double welds on the seams. I mean, it definitely wasn't my proudest moment, right? But it, it, I wasn't in control of that one either. But that is what made me start reading everything is knowing that my my name was associated with that, knowing that. How many yards or square foot yards were we talking here? Well, this was that because this was one of the summers where I was actually working. So I was there. I wasn't I don't think I was there for the first part, but I think I was there for the second part. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you can imagine like a, a elementary size gymnasium, a multi-purpose room. That's about the size. I it think was. it might have yeah. been one of the band rooms or something it, it, like that. Yeah. Several hundred yards. It, yeah, it was, it was. It was not small. It was not small by any means. I tell you All what, right. though, it did so pretty quick the you, second time. You had such poor bond that you were able to roll it back and scrape up the glue and reinstall it, and it looked good afterwards. Correct. And, and, aside I, of a few saddle seams here and there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't remember every step along the way. I do remember it wasn't, it didn't look like a brand new install the second time around. It didn't <laughs> look like a brand new install the first time around. Um, but lesson learned, learn to read the adhesive, learn to read the instructions that come with the rolls. Just save yourself the hassle. Oh man, I just, uh, I mean, I have a lot. A lot more than just that one, but that was like a the first real... one. Well, I figured we'd start with the first one. I mean, I, yeah. you know, the the it's out of the gate, and I think it most of this is going to speak very well to what we preach on this channel, which is get trained, you know, proper proper education and with the proper amount of experience, so that you can actually absorb the stuff. Um, so I started out in carpet in 95, about six months later, uh, I was put in charge of a job. It was a high school at the time. It was the largest high school in Kansas, 11,000 yards of carpet and mainly in classrooms. And it was a J and J piece. I remember, and it was a double cut and I met with the tech rep. And they brought this little brand new cutter. It was a glass looking nice cutter. cutter. We yeah. we have tons of them now, but it was brand new back at the time. And it was a double cutter. So I went through and learned how to use that. I was blowing through this job. Literally, we were laying five, 600 yards a day, me and two guys just killing it i thought i'm an installer dude i got this <laughs> all figured out i am an installer and at the end of that thing the job turned out well other than it had a little bit of a fading issue in the carpet that the school ended up accepting but at the end of the day i really felt like i was a full i, I thought i was the the man i had installed all that carpet i'd only been doing it six months i thought yeah. So I get put on a, I will not mention the client because they are actually still, they are a client of mine now uh, as my own company at Stewart and Associates. But um, I went to do a very large gathering room, like a big conference room at a manufacturer's place. <clears throat> I had, I thought you double cut everything, baby. I thought that's, that's how this, I thought that's how carpet was installed. And uh, it was a, almost a solid black, heavy, big textured loop. And um, yeah, so the, the installer that was supposed to be with me there got sick and, and my boss was like, you got it. No, no, no direction. Again, this is, these are horror stories for a reason. So never anybody listening, don't think you're an installer after five, six months of, of learning how to double cut. And that's your only experience. So I go in here and lay the entire job and it was probably six or 700 yard room. 
And I double cut every scene. It looked fantastic, I thought, as soon as I was done with it. And I uh, walk away, you come back, and everything, like everything mushroomed. It was um, it was the worst-looking scenes you could imagine. Uh, the, the thickness, the other part was the, the first carpet I had installed was a really tight loop. And, um, you know, when you double cut that, it stayed together. Everything stayed tight, seam sealed it. It looked good. This, the seam, I mean, it, it mushroomed and there was seam seal everywhere. It looked good until it dried up. I, I don't, I cannot tell you, um, how terrible it was but at the end of the day i double cut every single one of them damn seams and it should have been row row butt um and it mushroomed so bad that you could see the backing on every seam and i thought i seam sealed it enough i had no idea and you just can't double cut a carpet like that so to all my cfi guys out there you know uh there's different ways of cutting seams and and uh you probably learned that in R1, but uh, because I was never trained, I thought that's how you did every single thing. I thought you just overlapped it, cut it. Some of it I was cutting with my knife, uh, <laughs> but that that glass cutter got some work on that project as well. There, and, was a, uh, there was a project that we were doing nights and they, we were doing a bunch of uh, Jenny Craig's, oh, like when they were a thing. And we were doing some, and there was another crew that was doing some, same company, right? And we we were doing ours, and they were like, why is it taking you guys so much longer to do yours? And they're knocking theirs out. So one time we had to go visit one of their job sites, and what they're doing is that what you said. They're just boom, boom, double cut, and go. And it was a half-inch pattern, and it was not good carpet. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> lesson learned there i ended up uh getting uh demoted to help her again uh which i should have never been promoted but um and by the way my promotion did not bring any extra money so <laughs> nor did the demotion but they decided probably don't let me go at my own accord because what it's a bad recipe to put a guy like me that'll just go at things like he's killing snakes and thinks he knows something i'm gonna go after it <laughs> and i did completely uh had to replace every square inch of that carpet and i glued it down like this was still solvent-based adhesive so uh it was a nightmare to get up that well you've done a a tear up on new carpet i'm sure uh at some point this is brand new and stuff that the we had to wait another i don't know two weeks to tear it up because they were going to have some events in there and they they were like we got to have these events so you have to come back over the weekend we had six guys in there glue was everywhere i'm not sure which was more of a nightmare actually <laughs> the tear up or the day after I installed it and I thought I had knocked it out of the park, you know, uh, or a few days after it was installed. So that's my very, very first. And that didn't take long. I mean, that was six months after I started, after I started six, eight months after I started flooring. Somebody trusted you after six months. I tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens without the proper training. So and like you said, I, I think we've all been there where you go in and you're like, looks great. And then someone else walks in there and it's like, what did you do? Like, yeah. And I, I, I thought when my boss said like, it was totally effed up and then I messed up the whole job. I thought maybe it just needs tractored. To a Brian, this guy that taught me, I mean, maybe it just needs some extra tractor. And well, it, it needed a heck of a lot more than that. I'll tell you that. You get a yarn stuck in the wheel. In the it, it was, it, yeah. So that's my very first uh, carpet story, but I, I got one for sheet vinyl. I was doing a assisted living and this was kind of 
before moisture it was right about the time all all the moisture problems really started coming up <clears throat> like i don't think as an industry we really knew i was probably three four or five years in at this point and i don't know that the industry really knew uh they certainly hadn't gotten the chemistry down on the water-based adhesives yet um but also moisture testing was not like done on every job it wasn't as big of a a, a requirement i guess it just didn't seem like it was that big a deal now that could be because I was uh, still a newbie at five years or whatever. I was still pretty new in the industry. Uh, but also our our company that I worked for at the time, they just didn't care about that kind of thing. Anyway, come to find out, we, we installed all this sheet vinyl <clears throat> and all the first floor sheet vinyl, the contractor calls me. I had started my company by this point, by the way. So it was my client. And um, client calls and says, there's something really wrong. There's all these lines and like all this stuff. It's like the adhesive is mushing or something. So we get out there. I go look at it. And it wasn't horrific quite yet. Uh, so I told him, well, you know, it'll dry out had no idea obviously it didn't dry out by the time we went back uh, he calls and he says hey it's kind of leveled out but it seems like it's just floating we get out there and you could literally slap the vinyl and kind of see the water move underneath it we cut it open and it's just a flood of water coming through it was the worst still today probably the worst moisture issue that we've that I've ever experienced. Um, back then, you kind of got away with a lot. We The owner ended up paying for it, or the GC did, accept a responsibility for the, the um, you know, slab being wet. It was a new construction project. Um, but, and they had some irrigation issues that was adding water, but come to find out, it was kind of under the water table. So... Ooh. There was a lot of problems that, you know, kind of pointed it that way. That was it was the uh, GC's uh, responsibility, but we never moisture tested it. And at the end of the day, it every square inch of it had to be torn up. We didn't do mitigation at the time. They there was just a few companies that was doing that at that point, and there was only a couple of products that you could use. I mean, we're talking early two thousands. And uh, so it come, we tore all the vinyl up, dry, sucked all the water up. And when I tell you water, it had completely emulsified the adhesive, 100%. It, it was like just colored water under there. So we got it all up, vacuumed, uh, vacuumed up all the water. Then they came in and blasted, did mitigation, and uh, leveled it. And then we came back in and laid vinyl again. But lesson there is moisture test. Yeah. One moisture test with that type of slab would have been, it would have been clear as day that uh, there's a problem long ahead of having to go through that. So from a, from a, uh, expense standpoint that's probably one of the highest i have some others um but that's probably one of the highest and i have a more recent one that i'll share in a moment but i don't want to steal all the fun i know i don't know where daniel, daniel so it, it it's on you guys now it's uh the ping pong has been hit back to you um, i got it for you and it's similar you, you reminded me of, of it actually is uh we were working out at a hospital out in Carson City doing um, a basement, and uh, it had a bunch of borders and patterns that you know that that swooped and swished down the corridor. Dude, it looked pristine. It was. It took you know a lot of a lot of layout, a lot, a lot of artistry, a lot of uh, hard work and concentration making templates so that way I can duplicate patterns. 
uh, and then you know a week later get a phone call and, you know this is after we're done get a phone call it's like there's some weird things that are on the vinyl yeah we don't know how to get them off it looks like looks like somebody was writing on the vinyl how do you get stains off so we go there take a look at it and look down and sure enough it's uh we wrote the, the drop blanks on the back of the vinyl, right? So because of plasticizer migration, everything went through. So it was all backwards numbers and writing and, <laughs> and it was red and it was black. Um, not only that is there was no moisture test done. This was an old slab, old building. So we had high moisture content, hydrostatic pressure on top of that. So the first thing I noticed was our marker. The second thing they noticed when we started pulling it back was the high moisture um, and then the, the the pressure. And then the GC actually took accountability for that one as well. We did not do a moisture test. We did not do this. We did not they, do that. They never. So when that job, when it rained, the that, vinyl would swell up. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then once the rain stopped and then it dried out, it would lay back flat like nothing had ever happened and and that was that was when when we came to the conclusion you know and as far as uh um having the knowledge that i have now i didn't have it back then but i remember talking to the gc and just asking a series of questions and that did come out and i was like and i go look outside and i'm like yeah we're actually running downhill and so what i was like man is i i know that we wrote out it with margaret but i don't think it's my fault that this is failing like that so uh, that was well, a quick uh, note on that for all you sheet vinyl guys that maybe not know you, you probably do, but, um, marker or things like that, you put it on the, don't, don't put it on the back of your vinyl for sure, but don't also don't mark your concrete with Sharpie. Yeah. Uh, make sure you're no, looking for no marker for any resilient is our new rule. Yeah. We, if, if we, only thing in our, <laughs> our pouches and on our person is a pencil whatever we're doing resilient. There's no if, ands, buts. I don't even like to use the the colored pencils uh, like mm -hmm. they, Home Depot because I just don't want to risk it, right? Like, yeah, just don't want to risk it. And uh, that another was, thing uh, that, hey, I no idea. another thing that that brings up is uh, I remember a job that had uh, this purple blotchiness underneath the vinyl in every room. We did a bunch of patient rooms and under the, under the cabinet, the it was a ADA cabinet. So underneath there, in every single room, there was some level of like this blotchy kind of stain. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. You guys had to drop something on it. What it ended up being is the plumber's purple um, primer had dripped down on every one of them rooms where he was I guess he was just right there doing it gets on the concrete. I had no, we had no idea that that would go through, through the patch, through the top, through the vinyl and just not, it was like, it was a picture taken. That's how clear it ended up being once that stain worked all the way through. Yeah, and we are, we're finding that a lot with a uh, cutback adhesive, right? Because they're like, we'll just go in there and throw some patch on throw the vinyl and in one of the hospitals that we've been doing work in it's all bleeding up and it just it's puddles right where it's super thick and that'd be the first areas that come and then it it's like looks like pools everywhere and on uh during covid we were doing a brand new hospital and they were self-leveled everything and then they were going in and doing some ceiling work setting stuff up for um like the mri machines and stuff that were going in and they did their layout on the ground in marker and yeah. there we had rubber going in a white rubber and i went to the <laughs> and i'm like come and look at this he was like i told them not to use marker like this is one of the gcs that will will contact us and they know how particular resilient is. So they're like, what needs to happen? What can't we do? And they base their, I think, I don't, I forget what they call it, but like their handbook that they have for their employees and contractors, 
they'll come to us and say, hey, can you review this <laughs> and let us know what uh, what needs to be changed? What can we do? What can't we do? So that's one of the rules is on their job sites, they tell people no marking on the floor with markers. Yep. Yeah. Somebody else did the self-leveler, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't see it until it bled through. Um, no, yeah, I it will bleed. I, I, I'm not sure how far that stuff will bleed, but I bet our, our skim on those rooms. Now this is a different chemical, obviously, but that primer came through a good three coat skim coat, probably a 16th of an inch thick, or maybe, maybe even closer to an eighth inch. And it went all the way through that and all the way through the vinyl. Mm. You know, what sucks too, is like when, when we were learning to encapsulate things like that, like, like the cutback, go, if the patch wasn't approved, we prime it and then, and then prep over the primer. It was still finding a way through. So now some, some markers too. Now we just grind. We got to grind all this. And one of the biggest, we used to use um, clear spray to spray our lines <laughs> down and stuff. I thought and then, that was the best idea. And then we went through like the four bow class and they're like, that's a foreign material on your floor now. That's, isn't doing you any good. It's a bond breaker. Like it, it's only as good as what you just sprayed on there now. And it, it, he's talking about- We used hairspray forever. That's, yeah. So that's expensive too, but we use the- uh, the inverted marking spray, just a clear one is what I used. Saw somebody using it. I was like, oh, that's clear. But yeah, so my marks don't disappear. Sweet. Go buy a case. Great <laughs> idea. Yeah. I, I it was it. for a minute. We we did uh, it all the time. DCT, I, I still. Gonna try and come in pretty soon. I think he has some stories too. <laughs> and then uh, Dave Garden was wondering how long you were an installer on your last story, on your sheet vinyl story. Okay. Uh, well, I was about five years in and I had been doing vinyl for probably a year. And I think that's the misconception too in our industry is people are like, oh, you've been doing it for five years. You should already know, which in some cases, yeah, but in other <laughs> cases, it's like you're working with a new material. It's like if I go to a job and I'm doing ceramic, I'm not going to know 100% of everything just like I do on uh, like Resilient. But I would ask questions to someone yeah. that does know what they're doing before I go and do something. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing that changed for me was uh, I quit being so damn egotistical <laughs> and started asking questions. When I to after a few failures, I started learning like I need to ask someone who actually knows if I don't and realize that I probably don't know. It wasn't until years in that I became what I would say, pretty doggone good sheet vinyl installer, um, carpet installer, that kind of stuff. But that was after training and and plenty of experience. And again, I worked for a company that it, it was just like, well, he, he did this job once, send him out there. He'll do it. All right. He'll figure it out. And uh, so needless to say, we went through quite the um quite the large amount of the hard lessons not not the lessons you learn when you go to a good you know flooring installation course the kind that costs you money yeah right uh, that, that's how i learned how to do flash cove myself was he ended up quitting and then we had an entire new medical building with a bunch of flash cove and they were like oh you worked with jose so you're on this project now you must know how to do it since you guys are related. You must You'll do fine. <laughs> and, that, and that's, I mean, I pretty much had to teach myself, but it that's what I did. I did, this was, what year was it at this point? 2005? Yeah, yeah I was 2000. probably 26. So you were 20. So yeah, I would say. Maybe yeah. 2006, 2007, yeah. something like that. And it's like, all right, I did a bunch of reading. There was no facebook groups and stuff like we have now and it's as far as i know it turned out fine but i definitely didn't do it right i can tell you that <laughs> well that's that's the uh that's another tricky thing is like sometimes you can do it wrong and it as it looks good and it, somehow it works out so, yeah I, well and, and then you do I, you do it wrong and then that it's those times that it comes back to bite you 
You know what I mean? And that's subjective too, right? Like if you don't know you're doing it wrong, then then it must be right. It looks right. Yeah, dude, I had no clue on either one of the two I mentioned, especially the carpet. I had no clue that I didn't even know how to run a row. What are you talking about running a row? Like to me, you over, I thought you cut off a little bit of salvage, measure over, make sure you got two inches, run this magical cutter down this carpet and you got a good seam. You know, that was just how I thought the, the whole industry worked. That's the need for, for, uh, you know, proper training. Yeah. Uh, education period. You're right. Yeah. So I got one more and this isn't necessarily just a, uh, installer, but maybe a little lesson on what not to do on the backside of it. So we did, uh, a multi-level, uh, apartment building basically and it was on a it had a uh you know sound sound barrier underlayment under the lvt and we installed both products and it looked great and then they had a few floods uh mm -hmm. the windows leaked and um so obviously like most of the floor just came up. It just problem. They filed, you know, whatever the GC told us to find what's, you know, replace the bad stuff. So we went in, tore up and I was not installing at the time. Uh, by this time we had other installers, but they, the manager on the job told our installers, just take up what's, what's, uh, what's bad, what's floating or what's not stuck and then pull it up and replace it. Replace that. And then a few weeks later, more of it comes up. A few weeks later, more of it comes up. A few weeks later, more of it. A few weeks later, the stuff we replaced was coming up. The lesson here is the moisture had gotten into the building, into nooks and crannies. And I'm talking a flood. I'm talking real bad rain event that, you know, was major water event. Um, stop, make your GC, identify the problem and direct you on what to replace and make sure that's in writing. That's been a that was a major problem. It's been nothing but a headache. It took forever to get anywhere on resolution. And although that's not my install error, it, and it wasn't really an install error except for an a error in judgment and, you know, replacing, just going in taking, and we left the, this is probably a problem, uh, but left the underlayment that, was, that had gotten wet oh. and installed right back over it. So there, there was, there was, now that was by direction of the GC as well. But my point here is you have to stop and make, make them tell you exactly what to do and then what to replace or what to, what, what needs fixed. And then you uh, can follow that up with, uh, you know, your, your plan of action in writing better yet, tell them to do all the demo and you come back moisture test and provide moisture testing results. And then if ready install, but <clears throat> that was probably the most expensive, uh, problem that we've ever had. And it was an error in judgment. Like we should not have been, we're not building envelope experts. My manager at the time was a ex-tie salesman you know that i turned into a flooring guy like these you can't expect even if he was a professional flooring installer he's not a building envelope expert he doesn't know the the migration of water through an entire building uh, we can understand a little bit of it as it works through a slab but not a multi-level concrete building right and i think that's the like what you're talking about when you don't know compared to when it happens when you do know, it's kind yeah. of different, right? Because you're like, 
hey, I'm going to go over here and just do whatever I think needs to be done. When you do know what's going on, that's when you, there was a, another hus a hospital project. The main, the main uh, pipe for the water feed had a, a solder that failed. And it was, we already installed some of it. Mm -hmm. We already installed the hallway and we were going into the rooms. They had, we had a blotter layer. The concrete had barrier one in it. So it's not going to go into the concrete, right? But that blotter layer, and it's like, there was probably 50 people pushing brooms of water to whatever drains we could find in the showers and stuff like that. And there was so much water in there, the GC pretty much came up to me and he says, what do we have to do from here? I think that's kind of the level that you're you're looking for, right? You're, let me make some phone calls. Let me see what this prep manufacturer says. Let me see what the flooring manufacturer says. And then we'll go from there. And it's like, you know, that's what I did. I made the calls. They said, this is what you have to do. I made them put a dehumidifier in every single room. And I think they had three in the hallway. The hallway was probably only like 50 foot long. So, I mean, and, and it, it was running for a week before I stepped foot back in there. And then you have to start doing some destructive tests. I'm like, I got to start pulling up tiles and seeing what we're dealing with underneath. And luckily, everything that, you know, I told them to do, they did. And everything actually turned out really good. I did. Water was everywhere. It survived. It survived. Wow. It you know, was, it was Nora. <laughs> so it's a wet set adhesive. And when you go through the class, they'll basically tell you, you install it, right. Do whatever you want with water. It's going to be fine. Right. And that's exactly it. Like I was struggling pulling up the pieces that were flooded still. So. Oh, I think wow. or we have a preferred flooring tiktok video of the water just pouring into one of the job sites yes and they told me <laughs> yes to post it anywhere <laughs> but it was already up and people were liking it so i had to leave it up <laughs> i did like any logos that were anywhere are not visible <laughs> yeah it was uh when you, they say hey it flooded did you see the video what video oh, oh my goodness like that's for real right like, right now yeah so did, did 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 you have to replace any of it or did it all most replace, of it I didn't have to replace any of it the entire blotter layer dried out with the dehumidifiers and we were good to go Yeah this would be was that a one story situation Yeah this luckily this happened on the main floor and not the second floor cuz we we did the second floor and moved down to the main floor yeah, so a lot of the uh on the previous job I was just talking about the they couldn't believe that moisture would stay in the concrete you know afterwards levels, you know, right. several floors above the I was like, yeah, you know, moisture will actually travel up columns and stuff, guys. I mean, we've tested concrete slabs, elevated concrete slabs and at the column lines you'll get, you can get a spike in moisture. We've seen it plenty of times. So yeah, anyway, good old moisture stories. Well, that, I think that's the misconception is people think that moisture is just water, but they don't take into consideration that there's vapor coming out of the mm -hmm. earth 100% of the time. Yeah, all day, every day. Yeah. Well, I was going to pull up some some good old uh, Facebook because I, I see on Facebook's, uh, you know, the different rooms, all these disaster stories, but um, decided that wasn't probably the, I, I, I didn't want to like have anybody called out, but I seen a lot of like emulsified adhesives and things like that as I was going through. So moisture is like still one of those biggest items you got to pay attention to being more educated today than I ever was uh, when I installed about moisture um, you know, understanding the adhesives, um, you know, you almost have to be part chemist in flooring anymore and understand what does what and how to prep correctly and which type of patch to use in this situation with this adhesive. And so 
study up, know what you're installing. Uh, that's your first defense. And make sure you're trained. Make sure you're, you've got the education uh, that goes along with your experience. It'll make you really good. Um, I, I sure wish say, I would have. I would say don't be afraid to ask uh, your reps, your tech reps, for um, a, a little bit of, of adhesive, some prep material, so you can test it out yourself. Um, you know, because you might not like it. You know, you might someone might send something that you're not familiar with, and, and you right away you don't like it because of the way it you, is calling for you to mix it or how to use it. So you just dismiss it. Right. You don't pay attention to the details after that. You're like, oh, this is crappy anyway. We had a tech rep in here when he was in here last week. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't the tech rep. Maybe it was the sales rep. But he was like, I'm going to leave these. Uh, this is our our new skim coat. I want you guys to test it out. And I was like, oh yeah, we got some carpet coming up. And he, he just looks at us. He, and he's like, we always test underneath carpet. We do not test under resilient. Under resilient, it's... We're using we, what's, what is good, <laughs> what we know is going yeah. to Um, You know, what's funny. Maybe think about this nightmare on a project. It was a multi-level building when you said that. And we were doing electrical closets in rubber tile. And I remember we started on the, the lower level and all of these uh, electrical closets were, were lined up all the way up, right? Because the conduit came up through the penetrations. And I remember telling uh, the gentleman that, that was with us to make sure that he used like uh, expandable foam and taped everything off. So when we self-leveled, it wasn't going down. He, he said he did. I mean, he took a lot of time. And I just remember that phone call like, all it takes is Dude, a hole this big. We have to get here and clean all this up. And sure enough, all that self-leveler, that was a low spot. And everything went that way from like the third or fourth floor down all the conduit that was finished painted on the electrical box, in the boxes, on the back of the box, all the way down to the basement. And I'll just never, I'll just never forget that. I had the same exact thing happen at a hospital we have, uh, we do a lot of work in. And they now have a rule, no self-leveler, none. You can't drag it, do whatever else you have to do, but you cannot use self-leveler. They've had it happen multiple other times, but it takes the smallest to hold. Yeah. And they, they fire-cocked everything, thought they had everything. We figured fire-cocking is supposed to stop everything fire and smoke and so it's surely going to stop water well you're assuming that guy did a perfect job and we started self-leveling this wasn't that long ago maybe three four years ago and it went down sad to say into the peds pediatric icu area luckily the main room that it got like really bad in was a uh unoccupied room but it was um quite the lesson like you might as well i'm scared i'm fearful after that one to pour self-leveler on elevated slabs hey, you know what you it's just a... never know especially remodels where you know there's an old hole they fill it with concrete well it just doesn't take anything that stuff is so loose yeah. you, i mean you do so i'm sure most people on here have done self-leveler as far as like even the audience you know you know how self-leveler is yeah and it's so loose that it went it'll go down floors on floors if you're not careful like yours Marlo said he had to go down an elevator shaft oh oh god that, oh. that's you know um that's worthy of a halloween story right there geez you want to know what's a real nightmare is when you do a project for another flooring company and every no one did moisture testing even though it says their contract says you need to do it. This contract says we're not going to do it. It's on you and us, the installer, going and your friend that you know comes and does the inspection on the failure. That's oh. a nightmare. <laughs> out of state, yeah, and that was recent, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, yeah, and it's like we did what we were supposed to, and it's like, well, I can't can't really say anything bad about you, but high moisture content, brother. It's like. Actually, I think that test came out um, because they didn't have the HVAC on like they said it. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what else on moisture testing? Make sure you're logging it. If you're a, if you're doing it and you're an installer doing it for a shop or whatever the scenario, log it. Like take, if you're doing RH, take pictures, like timestamp that stuff. One of the first questions you're going to get asked on a failure is, did you moisture test? Especially if it's sheet vinyl and 
So we're doing a bunch that, of that would be a good a good episode right there. Yeah, because we're doing we have to go do moisture testing starting tomorrow, and we're on a project with a bunch of LVT. And I contacted <laughs> him a couple weeks ago, said you guys need to get the moisture testing done because I need to know the readings to make sure we're good. He said, "Don't need to. It's brand new. Concrete. It's a brand new concrete. You don't need to." I said, "No," and I sent them the document right from the manufacturer. It says moisture testing is required on all resilient floor covering projects. And then, and Shaw is really good about this too, because right in the document, it also states in there, the installer is not responsible to moisture test, but we are responsible to get the results. And he, I sent him that and he still came back with, it's new concrete, no, Crystal's on the, the project. I said, A, ask him, tell him that we need the results. They didn't get them. And it's like, okay, I can, we can test it, right? We're certified. So let's try and go that route. And they agreed. So we're going to start tomorrow, which just sucks because it pushes us back a couple of days. But I mean, it's, it's got to get done. Well, good on you for making sure it happens because that there's nothing worse than getting asked for your results in a moisture problem. Well, that's where you don't have them. Or they, you, you could says that we learn from our own mistakes. And there's yeah. been a time or two where where Shaw did it right in there where Shaw says we're not responsible for the test, but we're responsible to get the results. And you learn from, oh, I didn't ask you for results and now it's failing. So my bad. Mm-hmm. But that that's where you learn. Yeah. Well, I, I could keep going for, but I don't want to, uh, you know, <laughs> just talk about the bad stuff. What I do want to talk about is the lessons of all this is understanding that ask questions is the biggest lesson I learned early on. If you're installing, we, we've got a guy <laughs> that's been installing maybe for two to three years, and he's one of those naturals that kind of picked it up really well. Uh, in the ceramic tile world and he's wanting to go out and be a sub he's only been doing it for like two or three years two years so you just don't know what you don't know so i encourage every younger in the industry kind of guy is or you know ask the questions understand your limitations understand you probably haven't been taught everything at two years and you you have scenarios you're going to run up against so if you're going to go out there you better um be willing to you know swallow the ego and ask questions because that that was my problem and it cost me a lot of pain i mean i i messed some stuff up when i first started installing so obviously we preach it all the time on this channel about getting properly trained on the flooring products and making sure that you're you have enough experience to even get trained there's plenty of times when uh you know an advanced training is not appropriate because you just don't know what you don't know i i use schluter's you know um their um two-day shower workshop it's not hard have you guys been to that no have you ever? okay so it's it's not hard or anything but the, the the thing is is if you haven't learned regular like installation of ceramic tile thin set the bait the most basic if you if you have not learned that you have no right doing a shower anyway you know and so that that training um in particular is is to me somebody who's been doing it a while the key that i'm trying to or the point that i'm trying to make is ask questions make sure you're seeking out training and you're seeking out the opportunities to get better um Lean on people in the industry that have learned the lessons maybe the hard way and listen. And um, that'll help a lot. Because even like right now, Kendall is asking, uh, what is the best self-leveling product? That's, and that's a relative question. What do yeah, you guys, yeah. use, what, what is like, what is your guys' top? What's your go-to? Our most common is Mape Ultra Plan Easy. That's our most commonly used product. Uh I would say one of the freaking most awesome products from a uh, result standpoint is Uzine. They got a 
we did a big Home Depot that had to be uh, mitigated and self-leveled. And I tell you what, I took pictures when it was wet and it literally looked like a mirror. And then when it dried, it was absolutely perfect. We installed Nora rubber and rubber tile over it. And when it was done, the job looked freaking fantastic. And I was really, really impressed with Uzine's product. So that, you know, if we have plenty of time, we'll use Nova plan, but we've used Shernox depending on the scenario that you're in. And that's why it's kind of relative. It's like, what is, what is the use case and right. which, which one of them fit best to your use case, but our day in day out, because typically you just don't have time to wait 24, 48 hours for it to dry, uh, is ultra plan easy. Okay. And with us, our, our go-to is Utsin. Our go-to is Utsin, but like you said, what, what are, what are you going over? What, what's the use going to be? Because there's sometimes when I call our rep and I'm like, Hey, this is the, what's going on. And he's like, yeah, none of our products. So then sure knock I... sure says a lot of really cool use case products. So, and to answer his question, they, they, they've got, we did a big uh, ballroom where they wanted to expose concrete. So we ended up putting a, an acrylic sealer over AP and, and it was, this was a multi uh, product substrate. So some of it was like a lightweight concrete. Some of it was just old 50 year concrete. Some of it was just poured six months ago. Some of it was like, it was a hodgepodge of a, it was like a quilt of a, of a oh substrate. God. Nobody else wanted to touch it from a adherence standpoint, even and not just that, you know, you may have crack lines come through or any of that, you know, that is a possibility, no matter what product you use, if there's movement, this was just like, there was no other product to go over it. And, and sure knocks there, that AP was, with I forget what primer we used SHP maybe yeah. yeah and dude I was in there not this we did this probably four years ago I was in there a few months back and it still looks like it still looks great Kevin's on what's up Kevin the uh it, the the product itself like I remember like Daniel saying you have the certain scenarios but whenever we we're like we have a we don't know what to what to use. <laughs> we do call Shernox. Hey, this is the scenario. Send me pictures. Send me information. Let's see what we can figure out. Um, but I mean, any any manufacturer is going to have a good system. It's just following that system. Like yeah. we're we're Artex certified. Artex makes great products. I mean, you think about feather finish in general. That's the name that comes to mind, right? I that's mean, what Artex we, was uh, a pioneer we, in the yeah in those um, underlayment space. As far as I'm concerned, everyone's trying to replicate what they had. They were definitely the, the godfather of good, good floor. You know, I would say their feather finish was the staple of the entire industry and probably still is for the most part. Feather finish, uh, K15 and SDP. Uh, I mean, those were what I was introduced with. That's what I use a lot of. And how yeah, so every product's going to have a, a good, every manufacturer has a really, you know, good product line. It's just not all of them are, you just can't use one and, and say, then, I'm going to use this for everything. So, yeah, I hope that provided between what you guys just said and all that provided some clarity there. But And speaking about like horror stories and stuff, the best case the best thing you can do in any on any project is document everything. Yeah. Take pictures of everything. I had we this was um hospital project and someone else self-leveled. And like we were working upstairs, someone was self-leveling downstairs, but we were gonna do the install. And I went down there and I'm looking at it, and you can see it just going into these joints, right? And I th I thought they were cut joints. And I go to the GC and I'm like, hey, this ain't right. Oh, yeah, 100%. They're only an inch and a half deep. I said, no, those are not an inch and a half deep. I guarantee it. So I'm taking pictures of everything. I go back the next day. 
and everything is looks great except for at that joint and it's still dark and you can imagine you know you put a napkin and you dip it in water and you can see the moisture you know start spreading uh -huh. through it. And that's what's happening it's up the joint and then it's going out like four wait, or five inches it's like a wick yeah and it's like all right i'm gonna take more pictures and then the next day same thing and i i go to them and i'm like uh this is gonna fail and they're like no it's not they're an inch and a half deep i guarantee it so fast forward we it had it took over a week to fully cure all the way through where, to where I was comfortable, right? And it's like, all right, we install everything, and then fast forward, I don't know, like six, eight months later, or yeah, something no, like that. Not, 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 almost a year. It was almost a year. And it was the first thaw from the winter. So we we go back and we get a because we get a phone call and they're like, there's bubbles in the flooring. So I inspect, I take it up and sure enough, moisture. So it, it kept on happening. And I'm like, guys, I told you these were not cut joints. And so they overlaid their cold pours from the different pours that they did onto where things were happening. And sure enough, every failure was at a cold joint. And I'm like, like, I'm going to fix it this time, but I'm not going to fix it anymore. Like things happen. Do documentation. And I'm not just saying like from a project manager or company standpoint, like the installers protect yourselves, like take pictures, log them, put them in a file. Uh, if you, if you're go career installer, throw it in the chat with your company, whoever you're doing the work order for and show them that you have documented a lot of times sharing that documentation and people knowing you're documenting that well will get them off of the off of their their seat to to actually do something about it. So and yeah. sometimes that's writing down someone's name, a, a meaningful conversation <laughs> you have with someone uh, who represents the company or the location you're working at. Write down yeah. name, right. So that way you can well, who did you talk to? Uh that one. One talk to James at 252 on October 15th. <laughs> and, it, and it's not always about if something's going to fail. It's about protecting yourself with getting paid too, because I've had plenty of times where they're like, like, why are you charging us so much for all this prep? And then I send them back pictures. This is the material. This is where we prep. This is how we were priming, you know, and stuff like that. And on some of these projects, they were, I go back and, and I'm talking to them and they're like, I'm like, uh, is the documentation good enough? And they're like, I can't believe you have all this documented. Like, mm -hmm. it goes along. Yeah, way. the more they know, too, the more that they they kind of listen. So, and something that just protected us recently was uh, pictures of the pro progress pictures that we require the crews, and they got pictures of uh, stuff that was hanging from the ceilings that was intact when we were done and walked out. And I got a phone call after the project was done saying that we broke a couple of things. All right, well, let's take a look. I showed him the pictures. Like, look, it's still hanging. It's still intact in my picture. This is us walking out. Oh. Mm, must have been someone else. Now, now I, like I, this, this topic needs a few shows. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. I mean, we're at, we're at the end of the hour and we've shared a few. Uh, you know, I do want to make one quick comment. That's pretty funny that, you know, how we we flooring guys say we're blamed for everything. Now you're blamed for ceiling stuff <laughs> for stuff on the ceiling. No, this is not the first time. The, the other time was at a school and there the, there's a light fixture, like 20 foot up. And he's like, you guys got patch on this light fixture up there. So he, he mixed them really wet patch, like going like this with the mixer and then took the bucket and dropped it. And it just went. And I said, show me how, show me. Like, tell, tell yeah. me how. Like, and I was doing it to be an a -hole. I was doing it to be an a-hole. I'm not even lying. I'm not joking. Like, you're going to blame me for that. Let's, let's go through the scenario. And I did, man. I was, and I was really messy with it. Maybe your guys got, got the, uh, got the mud, got, got a mud wrestling match going. All right. Well, you guys just froze up on me. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, there you oh, are. There we go. Sweet. All right. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, guys. Uh, appreciate you sharing some of the stories. Uh, it's always, you know, fitting here. 
you know, you talk about Halloween and scary stories in flooring. We worry about this stuff. Um, at least I do. Uh, when you're, when you, you just don't know what can go wrong. We got a multi, you know, we're dealing with concrete. We're dealing with so many different, uh, aspects when you put flooring down. So again, get trained, talk to people, get plugged into, you know, experts in the industry and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll lower your risk. Like we make way less failures today than I, most of my stories are from the early days and there's a reason for that. So as yeah. you get experience and you get trained and, uh, you know, invest in your, your business, your company, yourself, uh, you lower that risk. So, and document, document, document. Yeah. Jorge says no, I need more of the huddle. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the biggest things with this topic is being open to share your failures because a lot of people are like i'm never going to tell anyone about this like i don't yeah. want anyone to know but it's like man we were all brand new ones we all had to go mm -hmm. through it like the more we share our failures with everyone the less likely anyone else is to repeat them yep well that's the uh that's the goal so all right gentlemen until next week we'll let you go and good talking with you guys yeah, happy halloween Thanks. everyone happy halloween Go get some candy. We're not going out. It's too cold down here. I don't know what it is up there, but we're sub 30 no, degrees. I'm like, it's, it's 34 and snowing. And the kids are, I said, we're going to hit five houses real quick. And then I'll buy you candy. <laughs> Good plan. All right, gentlemen. We'll chat with you guys later. Uh, I need to have a tagline to exit our podcast. I'm always like, all right, we'll see you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See we'll get we'll figure week. out tagline. We'll get it. We'll get it. All right. See ya. Make your suggestions in our in the comment section. We'll right. we, may, we may adopt yours. <laughs> All right. See you guys. See ya. Take it easy. Thanks, everyone. Bye.